Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Hello, enlightened one. (laughs) I say that because you're listening to Nurses Out Loud. I'm so happy you're with me today. I'm your host, Nurse Jodi O'Malley. But we also have four other amazing nurses speaking the out loud truth the other days of the week. And I hope you're tuning into them as well. We are live Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time with an encore at 11 p.m., on our America Out Loud Talk Radio app, iHeartRadio, our world-class media player on AmericaOutloud.news, and all of our shows go to podcast the next day. So please share, 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 and review our show. The tech giants like that, and it pushes us up in the feed. Today, I want to talk to you about the mental health of our nation. I will share a crisis story from a social media post I came across that flooded me both with anger and love. I will play the video for you so you can hear it for yourself, and we'll talk through some things that we can do to help these people when we come across them, because they're out there. There are a lot of them. I will also share the traumatic experience of returning to the hospital for the first time in almost two years since I blew the whistle and a response I received from a nurse who thought it her duty to stay working and fulfilling orders that she didn't agree with because it is what, quote unquote, she signed up to do. Let's see how much time we have left because I have a lot more I could talk about. You can literally scroll on social media for two minutes these days and see five things that blow your mind. If you are interested to hearing me talk more about other things, I am starting a YouTube and a Rumble channel, Jody O'Malley uh, RN. I think that's what it is, Jody O'Malley RN, maybe. Um, so check that out because I will be talking more to you guys about a a bunch of different topics. But nurses in particular have been on the front lines, witnessing the devastating consequences of the deadly hospital protocol and the CDC pseudoscience guidelines firsthand. As they tirelessly care for patients and face unprecedented challenges, they now find themselves grappling with the aftermath experiencing PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. This past week, I went live on my Instagram channel, Nurse for Natives, after I saw my mom off for surgery. So it was a scheduled surgery. And I will tell you, I was very apprehensive to take her. I know, I'm the nurse in the family. I'm the daughter. 
I that, you know, everybody just assumed Jody's going to do it and rightfully so. But it was a very um, troubling decision in my brain on how I was going to react or see, you know, just how how it was going to be entering into a hospital, even though it wasn't the same one. Everything that happened at my hospital happened to hospitals throughout the country. And so I decided to go live and share my feelings with my followers. And I'll play a little bit of that video. All right, I see a few of you guys are popping on here. Um, I want to say right off the bat that it I am really having a hard time holding back the tears. Um, but I wanted to share this moment with you because I did not realize how much trauma the last few years have been until walking back in a hospital for the first time. Um, like I'm literally shaking and, and so many memories like good and bad are just flooding me right now and and as I sit outside you know I'm out here in the cafeteria area and uh, I remember as a new grad being so excited I did my clinicals at this hospital and some of them I did my OB and my lab rotations and even prior to that, I'm remembering now that as a as a tech, um, a patient care technician, during nursing school, I came and did my lab rotation here, um, <clears throat> practicing my IV or not IV, but my blood draws, and uh, and I sit here and I remember like like how excited I was <laughs> to be a nurse. And I just loved every single aspect of it. And to see how, like, you know, 10 years later, 15 years, I mean, I started out at the age of 35 delivering food trays and became a CNA. And uh, I wanted it so bad. And I was so excited. I felt like it was the first time in my life that I was doing something I was truly called to do. And I graduated at the age of 39. I'm 48 right now. And I see how much this profession has given to me and how much it has taken away. And I know so many of you can relate to that. And that's why I wanted to share this with you. Because it is a morning. It's a morning of something we were called to do. It's a loss of so much life we saw. It's a change in a culture. You know, telling people that we shouldn't take care of them based on their medical decisions. I mean, it's absolutely horrific. And so I'm here today, like my mom, she had 
um, a scheduled surgery. She's getting an umbilical hernia repair. And, you know, it's surgery, um, you know, but minor, right? It's not like it's an emergent surgery. And I was seriously considering having my sister take off of work or having one of my kids bring her because I just didn't want to come back to the hospital. Like I had no idea that it would affect me like this and to hold back the tears. But I know that my mom would feel more comfortable with me here with her. <sighs> I did not realize how much trauma the last few years have been until walking back in a hospital for the first time. Um, like I'm literally shaking and and so many memories like good and bad are just flooding me right now and and as I sit outside you know I'm out here in the cafeteria area and uh, I remember as a new grad being so excited I did my clinicals at this hospital and some of them I did my OB and my lab rotations and even prior to that I'm remembering now that as a as a tech um, a patient care technician during nursing school, I came and did my lab rotation here, um, practicing my IV, or not IV, but my blood draws. And uh, and I sit here and I remember like, like how excited I was to be a nurse. And I just loved every single aspect of it. And to see how like, you know, 10 years later, 15 years, I mean, I started out at the age of 35 delivering food trades and became a CNA. And uh, I wanted it so bad. And I was so excited. I felt like it was the first time in my life that I was doing something I was truly called to do. And I graduated at the age of 39. I'm 48 right now. And I see how much this profession has given to me and how much it has taken away. And I know so many of you can relate to that. And that's why I wanted to share this with you. Because it is a warning. It's a warning of something we were called to do. It's a loss of so much life we saw. It's a change in a culture. You know, telling people that we shouldn't take care of them based on their medical decisions. I mean, it's absolutely horrific. And so I'm here today, like my mom, she had um, a scheduled surgery. She's getting an umbilical hernia repair. And, you know, it's surgery, um, you know, but minor, right? It's not like it's an emergent surgery. And I was seriously considering 
having my sister take off of work or having one of my kids bring her because I just didn't want to come back to the hospital. Like I had no idea that it would affect me like this and to hold back the tears. But I know that my mom would feel more comfortable with me here with her. And so I didn't even say anything to her. I didn't tell her how I was feeling. I didn't tell my sister how I was feeling or my kids. I just was like, it's my job, right? I'm the nurse in the family, so I'm going to be the one to be there with her. And, uh, you know, as soon as I come in here and they, you know, the sweet volunteers, we they have the most amazing volunteers. I'm at Shea Hospital in Scott. Yeah, so, ooh. Goodness gracious, it's one of those things where, you know, you think you're okay and then something uh, triggers it. And I'll tell you guys, I mean, I've been through a lot in my life. A lot, a lot, a lot. And, you know, when I say that, I mean, you know, I fought my way through um, the younger years. I was like a street fighter. <laughs> so weird to say now, but yeah, I, you know, was kicked out of two public schools. I, by the time I was in seventh grade, dropped out of high school at 15, got a fake ID, got pregnant at 16, um, you know, was in an abusive relationship. And I mean, I could go on and on. So I have been through it. And to have those feelings um, come up and, and they were literally visceral feelings that I had um, and I was holding back the, the angst in a way, right? I, I walk into the hospital, we go through the registration, I'm sitting there looking at the nurses and doctors, getting their coffee and talking to one another and you know, it's just so hard. It was so hard. It was like, that was my life. Oh, goodness. And I loved every minute of it. Every single minute of it, the 12 hour shifts, the night shifts, the workers, the patients, gosh, the patients. Uh, that was, that was my why as to everything that I did. I wanted to give them a different experience than what I had. You know, I remember my daughter, she, I was 20. She was three, uh, no, 30 days old, less than 30 days old. And um, was having some trouble breathing that I noticed and was really congested sounding and um, took her to the emergency room and she just felt lifeless. And they, they checked her in and they were like, oh, she's okay. I'll just go sit in the waiting room. And I'm like, you know, I remember getting up and running through the doors and uh, and seeing all the nurses and doctors there around the nurses station. And I just screamed out like, somebody help me, help my baby. Like if she lay like lifeless in my arms. And so she wound up getting put into like an oxygen tent and, you know, having a... Uh, antibiotics and an emission stay and 
um, this went on. Like every time she got sick, she would uh, have to go to the hospital. So first couple years of life, you know, the nebulizer was her lifeline and I would take that everywhere with her. And, and so, you know, that's a whole nother story, but, um, having said that, like, I, I have compassion for people, you know, and I, as an emergency room nurse, um, I've done a lot of things, but emergency room was where uh, ER and ICU is where I spent my last couple years in the hospital. And, uh, and as that nurse, I just knew um, that even though we saw the same type of chief complaints, you know, abdominal pain, you know, anxiety, you know, chest pain, you know, it's a, it's the same system complaint, right? Um, over and over again. Um, I knew that I wanted to treat every single person as though this was their traumatic experience of their life, you know, because it was even though we saw and we knew how to handle all these issues and symptoms um, to the patient, it, it wasn't, you know, business as usual, right? It's their loved one or it's their life on the line. And so I always approach them with that element of care. And so to go into the hospital and, you know, walk through the hallways, like I even forgot I, at one point I I walked through the cafeteria and I just remembered all these times that I had spent there and, um, you know, talking with my student nurses and my educators and, uh, yeah, it, it just, you know, going down a hallway and thinking I took the wrong turn and then realizing, no, this hallway turns this way. And I was like, oh my gosh. And, and, you know, when I got to the, um, outside area, like a cafeteria kind of, well, just a sitting area, um, and I pulled out my food, my food that I had prepared because I'm on a new path, guys. I I realized that my nervous system needs to be reset and um, I need to be put on a schedule and, um, you know, put myself first, essentially put myself first. And so I brought my food. <laughs> I packaged it. I was like, I'm not going to go get a coffee. I'm not going to go get a snack, even though I'm remembering, you know, what they cook good in the cafeteria type thing. Um, so anyway, as I sat down, you know, I decided to um, just share these emotions with my followers who have been there from the beginning. And um, and there was one in particular that responded to me um and i will read what she had to say so we'll call her joanne all right she writes those of us who stayed got vaccinated against our religious objections to hold on to our livelihoods because there was no black backup plan have cried hard and long for what we saw back then and are seeing now. We don't call upon PTSD to get us out of taking care of patients who continue to enter our doors seeking help, comfort, and relief. We do what we signed on for. Good for you that you blew the whistle. Good for us. We are still out here towing the line. 
PTSD Incorporated. <laughs> All right. So I have so much to say about that. Um, At first, you know, I'll tell you, it, it, it's interesting because so many people say, oh, like, you know, I love the way you respond to people. You respond um, so beautifully. I, I, I wish I could do that. And I say to them, that takes me not responding in anger. That takes me praying, talking to God for the words to write. And it takes a lot of discipline not to react. So I replied back to her and I asked her if she would be up for a conversation. And um, I told her I have a show, Nurses Out Loud, and I would love, love for her to come on air and talk to me because I would really love to break this down with her, what she said, and go through that process because I think it's needed. We don't have conversations with people that feel the way she does. They, they're, they're following, they're following us. They're watching. I'll tell you there, there's a ton of nurses that I used to work with that are still on my Facebook or on my Instagram that, um, haven't blocked me, but they never, never comment. And why, you know, so I, I was really happy to see that she, had something to say. Um, and I really wish that we could have had a conversation, but instead of me replying back to her, um, on my Facebook feed, I'm just going to tell y'all how I think, and maybe she'll see it. Um, and maybe she will want to reach out and have a conversation. And that holds true to anybody that's listening that feels the way that Joanne did and would love to have a conversation because I don't want to be in an echo chamber. I want to help people. I want to unite us. I want to give nurses that feel like Joanne feels a way to help people continually or to continue helping people in just a different way. You know, there's so many of us that feel like if we're not in a hospital clocking in and out and using our skills like our IVs and our blood draws and Foley catheters and, and those types of things that we're just going to lose all the stuff that we were taught. And, you know, for me as a nurse, I loved educating people. And so I look at it this way, that the Lord is just having me do it in another format. And he's allowing me to reach a heck of a lot more people than I did on a daily basis at work, right? Maybe I'd have three, four, five patients. Um, but now uh, there's hundreds of thousands of you that are listening to the show. And so even though I mourn that loss, I look at it as a, as a bad relationship. And I've had many. That's why I'm single now. 
<laughs> I'm terrified practically to enter into a new one. <laughs> so that's another topic that I'll talk about. <laughs> so make sure you're following me. <laughs> but um, but it's a bad relationship. It's like, is it easy to go back because it's comfortable? It's what I know. I'm protected, right? I get my paycheck every two weeks. I get my PTO. Um, yeah. But why would I go back there? Because I think that I have to go against, first of all, what I'm feeling called to do. I'm supposed to violate my ethical principles, the oath that I took, because people are still coming to the door? Or do I know that I'm capable of so much more than that? And capable of helping people in such a way that they don't have to come to the hospital unless it's an emergency, right? So let's break this down. Um, she says, those of us who stayed got vaccinated against our religious objections to hold on to our livelihoods because there was no backup. All right. First of all, I didn't want to leave my cush job. I didn't want to leave my federal job that they say takes an act of Congress to get fired from, right? Could have pretty much done anything I wanted at that place, and it would have taken an act of Congress to fire me. I mean, look, I blew the whistle, recorded what was happening, exposed it to the world, 5 million views in a few days, and it still took them 15 months to let me go. And that was only because the judge twisted their arm and said, what are you going to do with her? You know, figure it out. We need to move forward with this. And, um, and so I say to Joanne, you went against your religious objections. So was this just a religion type thing that your priest or your pastor or your shaman or whatever told you? And you were like, okay, well, I'm not going to obey that doctrine. I, I need to have a, um, I need to hold on to my livelihood. Let me use her own words. I need to hold on to my livelihood. Because for me, it wasn't about a religion. It was about a relationship and what the Lord put on my heart and what I believe a personal, deeply held belief that I had. So it wasn't just saying, oh, like, you know, so many people say, I'm a Christian. Well, what does that really mean to you? So when I read that, I would really like to understand if you're talking about a relationship and faith in God, because that's what Christianity really comes down to is having a strong faith, right? Or even a mustard seed in the beginning. But um you're go you're not you have the little faith right like oh ye of little faith you don't think god is going to put something on your heart and not help and see you through it you think he's going to say don't do this don't do this joanne and then not help see you through it so that's where I feel like so many are Christian in name only because faith comes into play there and you have to know the word of God and what his promises are. 
And he tells us that in scripture. And so I question that. Next thing it says, because there was no backup plan. Guess what? I didn't have a backup plan either. I had no idea if I was going to be arrested, shot, killed, you know, same thing, shot and killed. Well, maybe not, but you know, I had no, I have a child that I'm still taking care of. He was 11 at the time that I blew the whistle. I'm a single mom that lives in an apartment. I didn't have a house I could sell. I was driving a car that, you know, had 250,000 miles on it. So when you say that you have no backup plan, I I knew God was going to take care of me, right? I knew that. I knew that with my whole heart. And then I also knew that I had friends. I had friends. So when people say that you have no backup plan, it's like, so you don't have any friends that could let you sleep on their couch? I mean, I was so sure that this, I would never do this, that I would be homeless before I would, I would go against what God was telling me to do. So the whole backup plan too, you know, it's like, I I think that there needs to be some reassessment of who you're surrounding yourself with, because if you don't have any friends that you can call upon, you know, family could be a different story, but family too. It's like, then what do you really have? You just have your house, you have your material possessions, but you don't have any relationships that you could rely on. Then you say that you've cried hard and long for what we saw back then and are seeing now. Wow. Wow. So you think so little of yourself. And so little for patience, right? Because ultimately you're, you cried long and hard for what you saw then and what you're seeing now. And you didn't feel like you could do something about it, that your voice didn't matter. That's wild to me. That's wild to me that people will put themselves continually in these situations, knowing it's not for the best interest of the patient patient, and are so afraid to lose your paycheck and your license, right? Because my license was on the line too. I didn't do any research. I didn't reach out to an attorney or look at the board of nursing notes and say, can I do this? I just did it. And so that makes me sad. That makes me sad because guess what, guys? If there was just a few more of us, a few more of us, we could have changed it. We could have changed the narrative. You know, people always look to doctors. And sure, you know, the doctors could have said, I'm not putting in these orders. But the nurses, we outnumber them 10 to 1. We could have said, if you want this order, then you do it. Then you put it in. Remember, we're independent of them. We have our own license. People can bring us up on criminal charges. 
you putting in a doctor's order and or you fulfilling a doctor's order is never an excuse that it was an order. They told you that and they told all of us that in nursing school on day one. We are independent of them. We must continue to educate ourselves. We must protect the patients, the community, the population in which we live. That is our role. And had a few more Joanne's stood up, this would never have happened. So then you go on to say, we don't call upon PTSD to get us out of taking care of patients to continue to enter our doors seeking help, comfort, and relief. To get, get out of taking care of patients? Man, listen, hearing that, that is what really ticked me off. That is where my fighting spirit came in. And I have got to hold back the curse words of what I want to say to you on that. Get out. You think you think me blowing the whistle or you think all those nurses that upheld their ethical oath and their own autonomy was getting out of taking care of patients when we were fighting for them, helping them the best we could? For a year and a half before these stupid mandates, these unlawful, illegal, unethical mandates came into play. That's what we did. We got out of it. So we got out of the profession that we loved and that we cared for all these people during a quote unquote pandemic. We walked away because we got out of it, taking care of patients. Man. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> nobody got out of it. We just did the right thing. And perhaps you didn't. Perhaps you didn't do the right thing. And now you want to justify it. Because let me tell you something, Joanne. Trust me. When the Lord laid on my heart to record and to give it to James O'Keefe to expose. Oh, I questioned it. I said, well, what are all these patients here? What are all these Native Americans, a community that I absolutely love to serve? What are they going to do? What are they going to do without me here? At least, at least I can affect the ones that come in, you know, that, um, that are under my care. You know how many people I save from getting admitted and being put on remdesivir when I didn't even know how deadly that drug was? I just knew that we were admitting everybody, anybody that had a one documented low blood saturation level, even at triage with a mask on, anxious as all get up. Now they're peacefully laying in the room. Doctor's going to admit them as a COVID patient, put them on remdesivir when they didn't even qualify for it. I would go down to the ER, knock on the door as hospital supervisor knock on their window and say, take off your mask and sit there and watch them. Their, their saturation level remain normal, 98, 99, 100%. And call the hospitalist and say to him or her, this patient doesn't admit inpatient uh, criteria. They don't, they, don't, they don't qualify for it. But now I'm looking and I, I just went on a tangent, but we have got to take a break from our sponsors. I'm so sorry. I will finish this up when we come back from break. I didn't realize I was going to talk so much, but guys, I'm so excited for our new sponsor, ASEA. 
Acia is a redox molecule supplement that is the one and only one of its kind. We have had such good results and the nurses, we are all on board with this product. And I encourage you go to americaoutloud.shop. As, as the days go on, I will give you more stories of um, how it's helped me. Maybe I will on the second half of the break, but let's go to break and we'll be right back. It's time and this is The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Time and this is wow. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you for joining me. You are listening to Nurses Out Loud, and I am your host, Nurse Jody O'Malley. Guys, go to America Out Loud. Dot news. Go to your app and download the America Out Loud Talk Radio app and listen to 24-7 news coverage from a variety of show hosts. We have so many different shows and they are all amazing. We have articles that come out daily. Um, I encourage you to make AmericaOutloud.news your first stop on the latest happenings. And so, okay, I'm sorry that I didn't realize I was going to go off like that, but um, that's what happens when my blood pressure starts to boil. (laughs) So anyway, nobody got out of anything. Uh, Matter of fact, like I was saying with the patient, and I would call the doctor and I would say, you know, doc, um, they don't meet inpatient criteria. Their saturations are normal and blood pressure, heart rate, everything is good. 
you're not, you know, the only thing you're going to do is put them on remdesivir here anyway, and they don't qualify it for you. So you might as well send them home. And they did. So again, Joanne, I could justify that they needed me there. My, my boss, when I was telling her how I was feeling before I blew the whistle, she said, Jody, just hang in. You can do such good things here. And I knew I could if I just hung in. But that's not what God was calling me to do. And I wasn't going to go against my faith and what he laid on my heart because I had been following this BS from the beginning. I knew that what we were witnessing was propaganda messaging. And I knew that the culture in the nursing unit chain was changing quickly. And I wasn't going to be a part of that. And so your last one says, uh, we do what we signed on for. Really? Really? That's what you signed on for? I encourage you to go back and look at the nine principles of nursing ethics. And you tell me, you know, matter of fact, if you are listening to this or anybody out there that feels like Joanne does, let's go through the nine principles of nursing ethics. And you tell me how you following orders that you don't agree with, and that's not for the betterment of the patient is following the ethical principles of nursing. Because after I blew the whistle, I had received more than a dozen complaints. I believe there was 18 of them. Okay. And I had to undergo an ethics evaluation. So I know what ethics are. And I know that I upheld them because my license is still intact because I did nothing wrong. There was no wrongdoing found. Okay. Good for you that you blew the whistle. Good for us. Well, listen, you know, it's the same as the mask wear. It's like, do you, I have more respect for the person that is like, absolutely, I'm not taking this mask off, right? Then the people, when the judge hit the gavel, said, you don't have to wear it anymore. And 90% of, 95% of them took it off, right? So that's kind of like you. Good for you. You think like you just staying in the hospital and following, you know, helping these people, you don't think that there's another path for you. Maybe this is your path. I don't know. So you're out there still towing the line, PTSD Incorporated. I'm out here not towing the line because I never towed the line. And to even use that phrase is tells me what type of nurse you are. Sorry, not trying to be disrespectful here, but if you're towing the line and you're following policy and protocols because you're told to do that, and then maybe a little bit, you'll step over, put a toe on the other side of the line and tell the patient, like, boost your immune system, eat healthy food, and then come back and be like, hope nobody heard you say that. That's, that's not any pain, any type of nurse that I would ever want caring for me or my loved ones. And I feel that that is more of a danger to society. So God bless you. Um, all right. Talking about people with masks, um, you know, in the wake of the pandemic, the many, many are still grappling with the fear and uncertainty that emerged during those challenging times. Despite the easing of restrictions, there are individuals who remain hesitant to step outside of their comfort zones, their homes becoming a safe haven and a prison. 
we shed the light on the mental health crisis that has intensified in the wake of this pandemic. And this is the social media post that I came across that oh, just made me so sad. Let me play it for you. I don't remember the last time I went to see a movie because I don't love going to the movie theater. But I'll tell you what, it pisses me off that I can't go see Barbie. I want to go see it. Even if it is white feminism, I want to be able to go. So I'm doing a thing. And if you live in the Pacific Northwest, you can do a thing with me. Here's what it is. Next week, which is July 31st, August 1st, someday next week on a weekday, I am renting out a theater in Northwest Portland. The entire theater. The whole theater. Um, the theater seats 46 people, I think. We're only going to do 20 tickets. So me and 19 other people. That's it. Um, in addition to that, there will be one employee. So the entire building, the entire cinema, is going to be one employee plus 20 attendees. That's it. Um, we are the only people in the building, and every single person, including that employee, is going to be wearing an N95 the entire time. The employee is going to put it on before they enter the building. They've been chosen specifically for this purpose. They seem to get it. Um, if you show up, because you bought a ticket, I need to see a KN94 well-fitted or a 95 well-fitted or a P100. And if I see a baggy mask, I'm going to tell you to take it off and put on one that I hand you. I'm holding onto a bunch of masks. Choose the one you like best. Um, there are no concessions during the movie. They're not even going to open it up. Do not bother bringing food or drinks. You may not take your mask off in the movie. If you need to scratch your nose or you need to take a sip of water, you need to get up, exit the theater, do that, and then come back. Um, they're going to be medically fragile people there. This is their first opportunity in like three and a half years. So we are not fucking around here, folks. Um, no kids that can't wear a mask solidly for two hours. Like I'm not going to do little kids because I don't blame them, but it is what it is. This is going to be a morning showing. We are the first people in the building. So we will be in and out well before any other employees or other people show up for other showings. The building will have had a chance to clear the air from the night before. Um, and also, they upgraded their filtration over the past three years, and they just had an inspection June 26th, their quarterly inspection, and changed out all of their MERV filters. So they're in a pretty good spot. It's going to be 20 to 25 bucks a person. All I'm doing is covering the cost. Uh, that's it. Um, so I will refund any overages. Um, it is a risk. I, I don't know how else to put that. It is definitely a risk to be in a building for two hours. Makes me anxious but i feel like it's a measured risk and one i'm willing to take and if there are more cautions that we could take definitely let me know but if you want to go um hit the comments let me know and i'll be in touch i'll get in touch with you over dm and we will make it work i'm excited i think for barbie did not expect to be saying that right oh my god <laughs> i'm so sorry I have listened to that so many times and it just cracks me up. I mean, this woman is a morbidly obese, middle-aged woman wearing glasses, hair all disheveled up in a ponytail. I mean, good for her. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay. Okay. Like so much there, right? Um, this is sad. It's actually really, really heartbreakingly sad. 
this lady, you know, obviously has done her research, right? She's gone on the CDC, it looks like. <laughs> Maybe the CDC of 2021. <laughs> oh, it's sad. But here, here's, here's, here's the really sad part. I knew in the very beginning that these government instituted lockdowns, social distancing, fear-based mass tactics was going to trigger people like this, right? These people that are already mentally unstable, it was going to set them over the edge. And guys, if you don't think that there's not a lot of people like this lady out there that have not left their house in three years, you're sadly mistaken. There are a lot of them. And the ones that are out in public still wearing masks, they're maybe a step down from her. But fear, anxiety, worry is what is driving them. And as you hear me say all the time, that's not from God, right? That's not from God. That is, that is from Satan. Bible clearly tells us that Satan is the author of confusion and anxiety, worry, fear, depression. Um, that's, that's all the works of the devil, period. End of story. And so people like this, I am going to just go out on a limb here and say that she probably doesn't have much faith um, because she's in living in fear like this. She hasn't left her house. We are free people. You know, you see the whole world is has moved on, right? Even, even if it took a gavel from a judge in a robe to say, you don't need to wear a mask, you can move about freely. They, they moved about freely. But this lady, I mean, she says they have one employee who's chosen because they get it. Oh, my God. Ooh, because they get it. But they get that one of their patrons is mentally unstable and they will, you know, do whatever is required so they can help take care of these people. I guarantee you these are the same type of people that probably won't tip. Well, they're not even going to buy anything. They're not going to even get candy or popcorn. It's so sad. Um, but she has well-fitted mask and, you know, she's not effing around guys. I mean, she, she's telling you, she, she means business. It, it's going to be the first showing because the air will be cleared. <laughs> oh, and they just changed out their filters. I mean, this woman clearly has done her research and, you know, and, and these kind of people that are struggling like this, what can we do? How, how can we approach them? How can we help them? Um, What's important to know is that they are brainwashed. They, the only way to hit these people is to hit them on an emotional level. You cannot bring a bunch of facts. You cannot show them in black and white how the CDC changed or, you know, any, any type of mainstream coverage, even Fauci, you know, they're 
God, because that's, you know, they listened to what he had to say. Um, he could even come out and say, all right, guys, it's it's time for you to go out. Go ahead. You can go. You can move about freely. Just take some precautions. That's not even going to change your mind. They Their heels are dug in on this. And so how can we help them? Well, I don't know if we can, first of all, but we have to treat them with love and respect. And so when we see them or we hear them, you know, it's not commenting on her post like you're freaking nut job like that's not gonna that's not gonna help right because then it's just gonna be the you know the white supremacist even if you're black that's what they're gonna call you right <laughs> sorry you have to laugh a little bit but we we can we can treat them with respect you know i when i see people with masks um you know i i don't stare at them i i say a little prayer silently for them and keep it moving but if this is your family member or your close friend you know i i think just be an example you know show them that you're moving about you know um maybe try to help um her take control of her health so she's not so medically fragile anymore right um you know maybe going over to the house and doing some chair exercises or some wall pilates that's like a big new thing that people love um something low impact bringing a smoothie or you know probably preparing i don't well no i'm guarantee you she probably gets uber eats um, but I was going to say, don't bring anything from the outside because she may not like that, but, um, she's obviously getting her food intake from the last three years. The stress hasn't caused her not to eat. Um, and I don't joke about that because I stress eat too, right? Well, I did. I stopped doing that and, um, putting myself forward, but we'll just be kind to these people and, um, you know, and keep it moving on that. And yeah, well, it just makes me so sad. So if there's anybody out there that wants to have a conversation, you know, anybody out there that feels like this lady on TikTok or any of the nurses that feels like Joanne does, I encourage you to reach out to me. I am more than capable of having a conversation where we can go back and forth, not talk over each other, you know, and and see if we can get somewhere. See if we can try to find a way to relate to one another because we are more alike than we are different. Right? We really are. And it's and it's the our government. I mean, golly, guys. It is our government that is causing this divide. You know, there was this other video that I came across on um, Instagram and there was it was from um, this black dude. And he said, this is how it was in the 90s. It was a little clip. And some reporter came up to these two guys and said, well, what do you think about white people? And he was like, well, like. What kind of question is that? And he said, white people are fine. They're like me with another 
skin color? And the other guy was like, yeah, I have white friends. Um, I don't know what you're kind of trying to get at. And that's what I'm saying. You know, when all of this propaganda came out that uh, we having so many divides and or so many disagreements and racism and, you know, we're we're pitted against one another. I was like, no, I think my generation really made sure that that wasn't happening anymore. And so now we have two or three gen generations after that. Right. And it's like, no, you know, we we are more alike than we are different. And don't let them talk you out of it. Don't let anybody silence you for that purpose. We need to speak our truth, speak the truth, right? Even though some people have different versions of the truth. I know I heard somebody say once, um, there's the truth and there's opinion. So speak your opinion. Let's Let's say it like that, right? Speak your opinion. Don't let anybody silence you. Make sure you're following nurses out loud and sharing our our podcast and our articles, you know, and spreading the word. But that's all the time we have for today, friends. Remember, we are here Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern time with a different nurse host daily. Please make sure to tune in and to listen to myself and my other amazing sister nurses as we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Jody O'Malley, and you can find me here every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.news your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We must do our part and share, 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 share the stories, the articles, and the podcasts so we can help secure America's future. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. This is Nurses Out Loud. We are five nurses brought together, bound by ethical principles, and on our mission to protect the heart, soul, mind, and body of humanity. The last three years have changed us in many ways. Evil ran rapid, but it has been exposed. We are five strong nurses not afraid to engage in this battle. We want to empower and encourage you to do the same. We are in a war for truth. We're putting out a bounty on the real misinformation and exposing the purveyors of propaganda. Join us weekdays with the different nurse host daily. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time.